My favorite writers during this period would all have been hunting writers. Elmer Keith, Jack O'Connor, and the big game expert, Colonel Townsend Whelan. If I'd been confronted at this level with Yates, Elliot, Hardy, Whitman, or Frost, I don't know what I would have felt. If we exempt boys' books, hunting books, and the occasional Mickey Spillane paperback, my real reading life may be said to have begun when I entered the Rice Institute, as it was then called in the fall of 1954. I strolled in wonder through the stacks of Fondren Library, which then held about 600,000 books. I took freshman English under Professor Will Dowden, who had us read the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock, which, at a stroke, blotted out all the poetry I'd read in high school except maybe Keats. I learned about Eliot, and the other modern poets soon followed. At this point I had no inkling that I might someday be able to write books myself. And even if I had the inkling, I wouldn't have had the time. For me to be at Rice at all required a great intellectual leap. Just getting my homework read was all, and sometimes more than all, that I could get done. My three roommates in the garage apartment we lived in on North Boulevard were, like most of the other undergraduates at Rice, studying to be engineers. Math 101 caused no trouble for my roommates. For myself, it was a barrier reef I knew I would never cross. Almost before I got my clothes unpacked at Rice, I knew I would soon be leaving. A year and a half later, I left. During the year and a half I was at Rice on my first pass, I didn't have time to check many books out of Fondren, but the one that made the biggest impression on me was the Italian polymath Mario Praz's The Romantic Agony, his study of literary decadence, mostly nineteenth century. From Praz, I learned much about a great many writers I'd previously never heard of, including the Marquis de Sade, though I can't recall that Praz mentioned that the obsessed Marquis died while copulating with a goose, if in fact he did. The Romantic Agony is certainly an odd book for an uneducated eighteen-year-old yokel to pluck out of a six-hundred-thousand-volume library, and yet I did read it, more than once. From that book, for reasons obscure to me, my serious reading started. Later on, I got my own copy and have it still. I'm a fastidious bookman and have never liked reading books with library markings or other messy defects. In The Romantic Agony, Praz spends a good deal of time analyzing a now-forgotten Gothic novel called Melmoth the Wanderer by the Reverend Charles Robert Maturin. For Praz, that book focused many Gothic tendencies. I soon found out that Rice had a copy, but it was in the rare book room, and being a mere freshman, I doubted that the librarians would allow me in this sanctuary. In this instance, I was wrong about the librarians, one of whom took me into a dark little room and turned on the light. Melmoth the Wanderer was in three volumes, and the Rice copy was bound in boards. I was so impressed I could barely breathe. The kindly librarian, though, was breathing fine, and at once went back to her duties, leaving me alone with this treasure. I began to read, and then I stopped.
I'd never read or even touched a book that old, and was unprepared to appreciate what I found. To me, the prose seemed turgid, but I didn't want to give up, not since the Rice librarians showed such confidence in me. Soon enough, though, I did give up. Melmoth the Wanderer may embody all the Gothic elements Mario Praz mentioned, but it was still too much for me. Much later, I owned H. P. Lovecraft's copy of Melmoth the Wanderer, in the attractive three-volume Bentley reprint, a book that proved much easier to sell than to read. Years later, I read a little appreciation of Mario Praz by Edmund Wilson. The two met occasionally. From Wilson, I gathered that Praz was a great historian of furniture whose Rome apartment was packed with goodies. I think it may have been Praz who turned Wilson...